You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams and Marty Foster. Good evening, gentlemen. Marty, it's good to see you. Good to have you back. I know it's been uh, it's been a few days, but uh, yes, yeah, it's been a few days. But uh, glad to have you here, Bruce. Good to see you. I know we're not going to have you tomorrow. I for- completely forgot that um, that tomorrow was uh, was Thanksgiving in the states, so uh, we won't see you tomorrow. Uh, but I will be on tomorrow with. Um, with our sound guy and another uh, another gentleman uh, who is a guest of mine who is a DJ from the UK. Uh, we're going to be doing the break room tomorrow on music. There will not be a morning show tomorrow due to the fact that we're doing a break room. The day that we do those break room podcasts, it is literally that. It is a step away. So we will not be doing that. We will just be releasing one podcast tomorrow. And rest assured, Monday we will be back as we are every Monday. And we'll be sure to dive right back into the politics and everything is that, everything else that it is that you want to hear. So uh, we'll be back on Monday. But anyway, today or don't want to hear or don't want to hear rather. Yeah. But today we've got a lot of other things that are on the plate. There's a lot that's being developed right now as we speak in the Middle East. And just so happens. And I really wasn't planning on talking about a lot of this today. I mean, I want to get into some EU stuff today as well. But um, I want to kind of lead off with this. And it just so happens our very own uh, Marty Foster lived in the Middle East for a period of nine years, and he's very well familiar with the region. Uh, I do believe you spent a little bit of time in, in Saudi, too, as well. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I've spent a, a few months in Saudi. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I, the first time I visited the region was 1984, but that's when I was still serving on on board one of Her Majesty's destroyers. So I've, I actually went out to the Middle East in 2008 and came back 2017, um, you know, like nine and a half years later. Well, there's a lot that's being speculated on over there right now. All right. So U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is right now in the uh, as far as I know, he's meeting with Benjamin Netanyahu right now of Israel, and he's meeting with uh, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman. Now, there's a lot of speculation as to what this might be about. Also, they are slated to meet with the leader of Bahrain as well. Uh, now, I don't know. Like I said, there's a lot of speculation about this. But um, there's a growing concern, and a lot of the media, the media hawks, are speculating that Trump is going to hit Iran. Now, that's kind of, un- I have to say, that's kind of unlike Trump, uh, to be fair, because he's been in the process. You notice there hasn't been a war under Donald Trump. He's been in the process of withdrawing our troops. The Cold War is over and the Middle East conflicts are over. He sat down, he's brokered a peace deal between uh, the uh, the Arab world, those that are willing to listen, and the Jewish world, as in Israel. Again, there's a treaty here that's involved. And that is if the United States and Israel get tied up into a Middle East conflict, we have a treaty to help defend Israel. Now, if there's a conflict there, then obviously that's going to entangle many nations here, the United States included. And if this is the case, then a lot of people are speculating that due to the fact that there is a conflict, there won't be a transition. Now, this makes me this makes me kind of wonder about what all this is about, but we can get into that in just a minute. Uh, also, there is... 
a Greek oil tanker that was just uh, hit with uh, with a mine in the Red Sea just off of Saudi Arabia and off the coast of Yemen. It's being speculated that that it was uh, hit by a mine that was placed there by Houthi rebels that you've t- you've talked on here before out of Iran. My question is, is what I mean, what wh- what is your opinion as somebody that lived in the region for a long time? And very well familiar of how a lot of things go over there. I mean, you're, you're familiar with the differences of beliefs when it comes to Sunni and Shia. And obviously, there's your divide between Saudi, you know, uh, you know Saudi Arabia, uh, Iraq, Iran, you know, all, all the uh, the UAE countries. And uh, as well as I read this afternoon that a, a Sentinel R1 uh, spy plane that's used by the RAF was spotted over Iraq. And that's the first time that it's actually been spotted over Iraq, not to say that it hasn't been there before, but uh, you're the only nation that uses one. Uh, and the Iranians are not the Iranians are not very happy about it. But uh, OK, as as someone who lived there uh, and spent a lot of time in that region, what what's your take on what what could be brewing over there right now? Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's the uh, the friction between Shia and Sunni. Saudi Arabia is largely Sunni and, and Iran is Shia. There has always been tensions. Like I've said before, religion is 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 a, a means to control the masses. And um, it's all very well to have faith. But the moment you say the way I pray is better than the way you pray, you're into a world of trouble. But this has been going on probably now for 1,300 years, something like that. Four th- I was going to say 4,000, but, you know. That's, well, no, 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 no. Christianity is only around about 2,000 years old. You know, as soon, as soon as Islam came about, there were warring factions, everything was fine for a while, and then before you know it, you had sectarian differences. I was only speaking Middle Eastern conflicts in general, not... Uh... Uh, yeah, but the, actually, Middle Eastern conflicts in general go back 10,000 years, maybe 15. It, well, yeah, but okay, Mesopotamia, yeah, all right, I stand corrected. Yeah. I, I stand corrected, you're correct. The, you got me on that one. You got me on that one. The, the fertile river deltas, uh, yep. which were lovely places for people to live, yep. have been fought over for millennia. And and this is one of the reasons why uh, Israel um, exists now where it does. Um, the, the, the name of Palestine, which... Uh, effectively was annexed to to create Israel. Um, but the whole region used to be called Judea because it was the place of the Jews. So, yeah, you've got all this conflict. You've got this sectarian nonsense. You've got people that are easily motivated along religious and sectarian grounds. Recent moves towards peace, you're quite right. I don't know how much the current president had anything to do with it. But certainly, I think he has paved some of the way to the better understanding and relationship between Israel and the UAE and Saudi. Um, uh, But of course, Tehran, not very happy about that at all. And um, they are firmly in support of the Palestinian movements, Hezbollah, um, Hamas. And um, there, there is this desire within Iran or Iran's leadership to strike out as soon as they get the chance at Israel. They're, they're chomping at the bit. It's it's two two guys in a bar waiting for one to take a swing. And the Iranian nuclear program, which is supposed to be all about nuclear energy, not nuclear arms, but when you are able to enrich your own material and you've tested rockets and, and delivery systems, 
then you you need to be watched by the rest of the world, especially when you let you're a country that lets religion rule its um, people rather than common sense, reason, democracy, all the things we like our own countries to be ruled by, but that doesn't seem to be happening at the moment. How dare As you for- talk? How dare you talk logic, reason, and common sense? Our own, our own slogan. How dare you? I know. I'm sorry, but uh, no, I'm not. Um, as for the R1 Sentinel being fl- flying sorties over Iran, I would imagine this is the first time they've been lucky enough to spot it and pick it up. Um, I don't know much about the aircraft. I've only just looked at a picture recently, but yeah, it's uh, it's quite impressive. It's a, it's a it it's it's a multi-role aircraft, so it's a, a surveillance aircraft and um, air early warning. So it's got down-looking radars that can actually penetrate the ground. That's just a guess. I don't know for certain, but I'm I'm guessing it has. It's impressive. Um, uh, and it will have been doing these sorties, perhaps to gather intelligence on the disposition of Iranian forces. But it would do that as a matter of routine because you never know when you're going to need to put a hostile rogue nation back in its box. So friendly forces will be surveilling Iranian forces using stuff like the Sentinel uh, and probably up and down the border um, with Iraq, you've probably got all kinds of drones that are doing the same thing as well. If something's going to happen, the first thing we'll know about it is when the news reports that airstrikes have have gone in. Um, I don't think there'll be any grand announcement. In your humble opinion, and I mean, genuinely, it, is Iran in any kind of a position to be in a war footing at all? I uh, mean, their their <laughs> allies in the region are quite slim. Yeah, but... I think he's got. I think Iran has something like 1.3 million people in uniform, and that's big. You know, because you looked up the other day how big the UK army is. It's tiny in comparison. I was shocked. I was absolutely yeah. shocked. Yeah. Well, is that that scene in um, uh, what's it called? 300 about um, you know the 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 Spartans and and the Greeks. Uh-huh. Uh fighting the Persian, funny old yep. thing, Persian army. Uh-huh. Um and uh the Leonidas, the, the leader of the um of the Spartans, is being given a hard time by the Greek king for only bringing three hundred troops. So he goes up and down the line of the Greeks and says, you know, what do you do? He says, I'm I'm a farmer. What are you? I'm a butcher. What are you? I'm a this, I'm a that. And he turns around to his men and says, What are you guys? And says, they're they're all warriors. So I think that's the difference. The point I'm trying to make is we've got a very small army, but they're all bloody good. Well, you know, you know what uh, you know what Leonidas said in that movie, right? Well, there's no reason they couldn't be civil, right? <laughs> there's no <laughs> no reason they couldn't be. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Uh, do, you, do you want any more on that? No, no. I mean, that's I uh, I start to see all these things, and and I hear you know other people coming out, and uh, not not on the TV. I, I don't care about those idiots. But I, I have heard people on on various podcasts. I mean, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I, I've heard people on various podcasts over the last twenty, forty, forty eight hours, and now I'm seeing all of this build up uh, again that's happening in the Middle East, and it just makes me wonder because. As I said, we haven't been in a war under Trump. We haven't. I, I'm starting to think is that, see, there, there's something that's off here. You mentioned it to me on the phone earlier today. You said you haven't seen much of Donald. He's been awful quiet through all this. 
Now, yeah. one thing yeah. one thing that I know about Donald Trump, studying the man and watching him over several decades. I mean, I've been watching the guy for a long time. One thing that I know about Donald Trump is is when he's quiet, you need to watch the hell out because something big's about to happen. So by him being as quiet as he is, there's something that's going on, and I don't know what it is. It's driving me mad, especially after what I heard last night. Now, the media is reporting that, oh, the Trump team has decided that they're going to start working with the transition and blah, blah, blah. Well, the people that are involved with the transition really aren't working with anybody in the in the Biden camp. So there's something there's something that's really wrong here. I was talking to Bruce offline about it last night. I said, I can't figure out what this is. There's something wrong here. And I don't know what it is. Usually, usually you see the heavy hitters out there. And I told you this on the phone earlier today. Usually you see the heavy hitters out there on this network, that network, jockeying for this position, this cabinet position or whatever. You're not seeing any of that. Bernie Sanders was supposed to be the heavy hitter in the labor secretary department. He's nowhere to be found. He doesn't want to get anywhere near this. Elizabeth Warren was supposed to be Senator Elizabeth Warren was supposed to be considered the top pick for the Treasury secretary. Not one mention of her. Janet Yellen got tapped. Are you kidding me? Something's very wrong here, and I don't know what it is. John Kerry, I mean, a, 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 a nobody, a hack, you know, that, that's that's out of the Obama administration. He gets tapped as the climate guy. What, come on. So there, there's something that's off, and I don't know what's going on. I, I just don't know what it is. I just can't. You, you know how I, when I sit there and I follow paper trails and, and I, I investigate stuff and I dig into stuff, and I'm very thorough, but this one, I have to admit, has got me perplexed. I, I'm over a barrel with this one. I just don't know what's going on. So do you think there are a bunch of patsies being set up ready for a fall I'm not when sure. when the decision the final decision is made or the law suits are filed and taken seriously I sent you that interview video of of Candace Candace Owens yeah Owens yes um talking to a British journalist called Andrew Neil and um he picked on this one thing that the the lawyers had not used the word fraud. Candace was using electoral fraud as a phrase as she was answering questions, but the lawyers didn't say that. The lawyers um, said something along the lines of good faith errors is is what they are filing. Um, and I think that particularly was to give the um, the state governments. Uh, some wriggle room so that they could backpedal and say, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yes, there were some in good faith errors and we've rectified that. And the count is now this. Yeah, um, I can I can I can kind of narrow that down a little bit. Hearing from lawyers on that one, the, the reason they chose to do that instead of actual say actually say fraud, fraud in a courtroom is much more difficult to prove. You have to have a lot more evidence than just yeah. saying, oh, yeah. there's voting irregularities, for example. That is a lot easier to prove. So yeah. that, that's part of why they did it as it's well. It's like the difference between a murder charge and a manslaughter charge. Um, you know, if they really want to you to do some time and to be certain that you go away, um, they will charge you with manslaughter rather than risk a murder trial because the murder um, has to show intent. You have to, you know, premeditated murder, I believe is, well, it's the term we see on television. I don't know what how it translates in the US, but it means you went equipped, you intended to kill someone and so on. And it's the same with fraud. Did you intend to um, make gains for yourself through some fraudulent activity? And and so, yeah, I think it's, a as you say, it's an, it's an easier 
charge to make stick, but it also gives them time to wriggle out of it and kind of admit it without actually anyone going to jail. So, um, and the disappointing thing was in the interview with Candice was I didn't hear her say any of that. Um, I, you know, I, I couldn't get, I couldn't understand why she hadn't just either given your argument there, Bruce, or, or my guess um, in, in the interview. And either she just thought we all understood or it was edited out which is probably more likely the way the media are playing games at the moment. Well, um, I, I think the uh, the report the reporter that uh, that she spoke to in question here, I believe he works for the BBC. Is that correct? I, I'm pretty sure we played a clip of him here on uh, your general election night talking to uh, Shadow Justice Secretary Richard Bergen. Yeah, um, and, at the time, and, but he, that piece was on the Spectator, so I think he's actually oh, yes. independent. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, you're right. And and as far as journalists go, um, he's normally fairly well balanced and and not too biased. Although it's very difficult to find a journalist without bias these days. Um, and and he asked he asks the hard questions, but that wasn't or shouldn't even even if a dullard like myself can understand what the right answer should have been, um, that wasn't a particularly tough question. So um, well. But that, yeah. that's it. It's, it's indicative of, of, of a biased media because he's he's picked on one thing, one part of the story, which is they haven't brought fraud charges, so no fraud took place. That was his standpoint. That was his bias, and and that's why I sent you the the link to the to the video because I was I was pretty pissed off about it. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I mean she she's also playing uh, she's also playing the game. I mean, she, you can tell that, she, that she's playing the game. She's very smart. She's very articulate. She knows exactly what she's doing. So she's also looking at her political future as well. I think at some point, honestly, I mean, and they tried to allude to it in that uh, in that thing. I mean, I can tell when somebody's going to make a run and she's going to make a run at something in the near future. Now, I don't know what that's going to be. Honestly, I think the next person in line that has even a shadow of a chance that might make it would be... Uh, Senator Tom Cotton at this point. You haven't heard of him yet, I'm sure. But no, um, he might be next. But the thing is, whoever makes a run at something, and I'm, and I'm assuming if Candace does, it will be as a Republican. And I've got, I've actually got nothing really against the Republicans. Oh, I do. Um, I got plenty. Well, yeah. So because, of, <laughs> because of the, the inactivity, the, the bit where you should, should see them now up in arms, not necessarily arms, but, you know, making an uproar about it and they're just sat back doing nothing. I understand why you're upset about that. I'm more upset about the fact that someone like Candice, who talks straight, has got a very good um, worldview, um, would have to go with a party. I, all day through my head while I've been working. Okay, that's I've a been good point. Coming up, I've been coming up with um, ideas of how um, independence can actually start to make more more impact um but yeah go on i'm actually i'm glad you i'm glad you raised that point because i was trying to figure out how to segue into pretty much what you were just saying see this is why it's so good to have you on marty because the synergy here is is real right i mean it's it's there it's like we're joined at the hip yeah yeah separated at birth yeah <clears throat> 
my, my brother from an English mother. That's usually how it goes. Yeah. And about 20 years apart. Yeah. <laughs> so the the thing that uh, that brings to my mind, and, and this is something we've talked about from day one, is a parliament of independence, right? Someone that's that we look at based on ideas. I mean, I've like I said the other day, I've always voted split ticket, which means I vote for someone based on what they stand for as opposed to party lines. I've never voted party lines ever, and I never will. I never will, except for this last time. <laughs> except for this last time, <laughs> it's a little different. But the the thing is, is that right now the time is critical in the United States. Same thing in Europe. The time's critical. You can see what's happening. I was telling this to Bruce last night offline. With everything that's involved with the Great Reset, what's happening? People are starting to understand, hey, this is not what we were this is not the what we were built on. This is not what we were told, right? So now the governments are ripping the rug out from underneath everybody, right? This is causing a rise on one side. You're you're seeing a counterbalance on the other side. So now Everyone's in the process of choosing sides. A few years ago, I said, you know, people were asking, well, okay, when's this, when's this all this supposed to happen? I said, because I, I was hearing World War Three, World War Three, and I'm like, no, not now. It's not now. It's later. And they say, well, how do you know that? I said, because you will see people start to choose sides. Now you're seeing people choose sides. You're seeing the masses building on both sides. You're seeing the balance and the counterbalance to it. So, yeah. or the weight and the counterbalance to it. So- I, I don't know how you feel about what I'm about to say, but it doesn't matter what side you pick because your side, right. whatever it is, isn't going to help you. Right. They That's the problem with party politics. Where, when these shadowy bastards, um, you know, the, the, the usual suspects um, decide what they want to do and what strings they want to pull, they buy people from all parties and they literally do that they buy people and so when you've when you become a member of a party all you need to do um as as the new world order is buy five or six leading lights in that party you don't even have to pay for them all you only need to buy the top the top people uh and then that party will pretty much do your bidding because all the sycophants who haven't been paid by the by the new world order will be so keen to please the five or six or seven that have. So picking a side is futile uh, in this day and age. As far as politics is concerned, what you need to do is find someone that you just described that has got your best interests at heart and vote down those lines, not in a party fashion. Well, to be fair, and I didn't jump in there because... I continued to let you make my point for me, and you did exactly that because I'm very, I'm very glad. Yeah, because of the fact that people are choosing sides now, they can see that the political system, when it comes to parties, the party systems do not work. That's yeah. let, me, let me put it that way: the party systems do not work. It's sold people out. They can't trust the political class after this. The political class is done. They're a disgrace. They are a disgrace. I don't care if it's the UK. I don't care if it's Germany, France, the United States, Canada. It doesn't matter. They're a disgrace. They're in the process of disgracing themselves out. No one will trust them any longer. So as a result, on the other side of this thing, it's got to be what we've talked about. It's got to be, if we're going to go a, a democratically ruled route, it's got to be independence all the way. Yeah. And you say the political class is is finished. And I agree. The the One of the few saving graces for Donald Trump is he wasn't from the political class. He was from business. 
and I'm I'm sorry to to, to say this again because I, I did mention to it to you before. When I've seen him on TV the last couple of days, he does seem quieter. He does seem different. He almost seems broken. Now it yeah. could be that, as you suggest, he's got a little bit more on his mind than than the election itself. Something might be about to kick off. Middle East wise. Donald or, Trump. Donald Trump always looks like he's losing all the way up until the end. And then he that's wins. That's true. I, I can't argue with that because in 2016, nobody in my office was backing that result. To be honest, we, we were being prejudiced against him because of the media, because what we'd seen of him in the media. His achievements in the four years that he's been in office, they're there for everyone to see. But the trouble is no one's making any fuss about those. And I'm not his one of his biggest fans. The thing that concerned me when I see him looking quiet and, and maybe a little bit downtrodden, have they got to him? Have they made him an offer he can't refuse? Or have they threatened him? And, you know, I, I just don't know. I'm just an observer. I'm, I'm not involved in any of these circles. I've got no privileged information. I'm just reading things as I see them. Uh, let me present a cynical theory for you. Bruce, you're here. So, nice to see you. Uh, hi, Bruce. <laughs> we do love a cynical theory. Crack on, mate. So uh, a little bit of cynicism here. Let's say Trump, uh, this is where he wants to be. This is the position he wants. He wants a contested election, not not necessarily to, to cause trouble in the US, but it's going to bring, it's going to garner him attention. And I really think he he's potentially hoping he loses, right? And this cynical view, he's hoping he loses. Now, when he loses, he will use that momentum to create his own media agency. And that media agency will then go out and be the, um, shall we say, guiding light of the Trumpian types, the, the, the trumpets or however you want to call them. And he'll take they people will, like us with him. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's and the thing is, we well, won't take me. I've publicly said on a number of occasions that I'm not a big fan. But yeah, hey, you right. guys but might, might what, be what I mean shot, is, yeah. is that the Republican dissidents he'll take. He'll, he'll take yeah. it away. Like those of us that have been registered Republicans, but at the same time, we're not, you know, we're, we're classical conservatives. We believe in, in ideas. Our ideas are not represented no matter what side you come from. Sorry, Bruce, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're also basically we're tired of the machine, if you will. Um, the, he will take those people. He'll take the people that are the, the Fox viewership. He'll take those. He'll take the, um, potentially take some of the conservative media, uh, the independents out there. Um, he'll take some of those viewers as well. And in a sense, it's possible this will be the, if he keeps that momentum up, it's possible those viewers will stay true to the um, uh, bullheadedness of Trump, right? The, the, the aggressiveness that he's, he's brought forward. And really action that we've been wanting for the longest time. And that will provide a medium, a, 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 a focal point for us as the viewer and listener to put pressure onto the politicians because the media is not doing it. So if the, you know, it, it's possible that he does this to make some money, get revenge on Fox, and also push Republicans in the future. We may never, if he does that, it's possible we'll never see another GOP like we, well, like what we're used to, to where they're spineless and they don't do anything. It's possible that that, that era is over. Yeah. As, as theories go, I think it can hold a lot of water that, that, that there's a strong possibility uh, of what you say happening. However, money, we know who's got the purse strings of the, the, the entire planet. 
And Donald Trump's money, his actual physical worth, is, is not liquid assets. He can't won't move matter. that sort of... Well, I know, because money just won't matter anymore if if they get away with what they are doing and what they are planning. It's the ideas. Um, yeah, um, but also... It's it's like all the big tech companies. They seem on board with um with with this agenda, with this societal reset. They're being used to to bring it about and to to ad, advertise it and desensitize us. You know, we the people. I love that phrase. To these possibilities. But for how long? That's the question. For how long? Now, the reason I ask is for how long is a few days ago. The Chinese foreign minister, he made a comment about the Five Eyes, right? The Five Eyes, you know what the Five Eyes are. That's uh, the US, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, and Canada, right? So that's that's our intelligence agencies, right? He made the comment of, he says, um, of course, he says, uh, the Chinese never stir trouble. I'm, I'm quoting here. Uh, but they aren't afraid of trouble either. He says it doesn't matter if they have five eyes or ten eyes. Speaking of, you know, the, the Five Eyes, you know, here. And um, he said... Something along the lines of, let me see if I, if I can get the actual quote here. Uh, he says, uh, the five eyes, he says, if, the, if these countries, so the five eyes, don't start minding their own business and leave China alone, then the five eyes could have their eyes plucked out. Yeah, well, we talked about it earlier, but I'm going to steal your thunder. That's a cyber attack on surveillance and monitoring systems mm-hmm. and, and deeper. And we fully expect if there is conflict with China, um, they've got, uh, enormous cyber cap- capability, and who knows what they they might be able to achieve. Obviously, military planning in the West um, is already aware of their capability uh, in the as far as cyber attacks is concerned, and there is constant planning um, and preparation to defeat their their attacks and possibly even strike back. But I still believe that China did a did a deal. They they did a deal with with um, the new world order, and that was we'll give you uh, COVID to distract everybody and weaken the whole Western world if you leave us alone to mind our own business inside our own borders. But they are leaking over borders, aren't they? They're leaking into Kashmir, they're leaking into Taiwan. Punjab. They are not put yeah, the Punjab. They are not. Sticking to the agreement as far as Hong Kong was concerned, there's South China Sea. Um, they're taking South China Sea. Yeah, with um, the, the there's contested islands yep. with the Philippines as well. Um, so you know that their, their foreign minister spoke wrong, didn't he? He spoke badly because they they do look for well, trouble. Did he, did he though? I mean, I understand, yeah, the first part there where he says China never stirs trouble, but they aren't afraid of trouble either. Now, that part I agree with, the second part, the latter part of that statement. They're not afraid of it because they don't need anyone else. It's a huge country. It can feed itself, admittedly, if you're happy with a bowl of rice, a few beans and a chicken foot. China Um, doesn't have any oil. Well, China has no compunction about stealing other people's ideas. (laughs) Well, that's true. You know? Yeah. So all of that, what did you call it the other day? A disruptive technology? Yes. Yeah. So it might not need oil. Yeah. It 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 might not need oil. It can it can run its vehicles on those hydrogen based yeah. fuel systems. Well um, you said something there about making a deal. Uh the Chinese making a deal about uh about cyber 
cyber attacks, you know, or excuse me, about the COVID and all that stuff. And then, you know, just we'll give you COVID to destabilize the Western world and we'll let you do all of your whatever it is you're going to do over there. You can even use our systems that we've developed here and just leave us alone. Right. That's that's kind of what the, the thing is here. Just so happens uh, the uh, the conspiracy theory, which The New York Times calls it uh, the Great Reset by Klaus Schwab, just so happens I have a clip of him and I found this from a speech he gave at the World Economic Forum, specifically at uh, the uh, the time of he was uh, speaking on the Great Reset, which, by the way, he wrote an entire book called The Great Reset. How is that a conspiracy theory? How? That just doesn't work. But where's your, where's your evidence that it's a conspiracy <laughs> theory? Where is it? Come on. Where's my evidence uh, that it is a conspiracy theory? There is none. Sorry. No. There is not. The evidence is all there to say yep. it's not a conspiracy theory as a derogatory term for what it is. It's finally, as you've said all along, they're in their end game. They are putting stuff out. They have to be open about it because they they think they will fool everybody with their openness. Yeah. Uh, you know, if the best place to hide a lie is in between two pieces of truth. Yep. And as you said, they're doing things right out in the open now. But like I said, I ran across this clip of, uh, of Schwab back in July. And when I saw that that uh, statement out of the Chinese foreign minister, I thought, all right, that, that makes sense because they're, they're losing control. Governments that are doing their bidding are losing control, especially here in Germany. What's happening here in Germany is not being talked about. It's not being covered. The media is just ignoring it now. Someone tried to drive a car through Merkel's office today while she was there. And the media is not even really talking about, oh, the they got the driver. But... Uh, you know that that kind of stuff is is happening. Was uh, it uh, was it a Trabant? No, 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 it was not. Oh, okay. There is there is one here in town. The guy drives it. It's a it's got a historical plate on it and everything. It's funny. But I want to play this clip here of Schwab. Now, uh, what's he talking about? He's talking about a cyber attack in this thing. That's what I've been saying all along. The wars of the future are economical, biological, and cyber. Well, we're being hit with two out of the three, right? So if they're losing control, if they're in the if they're in danger of losing control. And everything comes unglued. See, I mean, they're going to lose everything too. So they have to be very careful about this. I mean, trust me, when you start when you start grabbing up people's assets and they, they lose everything, well, they've got nothing left to lose. Well, they lose it, don't they? So what is possibly coming next? Again, it's just my opinion, but uh, let's uh, let's hear it from from him. But still, pay insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack which would bring to a complete halt to the power supply, transportation, hospital services, our society as a whole. The COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack. To use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity to reflect on the lessons the cybersecurity community can draw and improve our preparedness for a potential cyber pandemic. So by him saying that, that leads me to believe that this is their next Trump card, if you will, right? No pun intended. Ace in the hole, you know, another ace up the sleeve, whatever you want to call it. This is my, again, it's in my humble opinion, based on what he said back in July, this to me would seem like another thing. I mean, if you, if you look at COVID-19 and if you think that that's chaos, <laughs> could you imagine if they knocked everything out? It would all go to hell. I don't know that people understand what our 
how we retaliate to a cyber attack on that scale. If, he, if they knock out the power grid over the entire US, let's say China did it, our retaliation to that is a nuke. We don't, we don't play around with that kind of thing. So if China were to do that, congratulations, we're in a nuclear holocaust. That's the level of what will happen if they do something like that. Uh, whether it's an actual like uh, nuke that to, you know, nuke infrastructure, or it's a nuke in the sense of an EMP. Either way, outcome's the same. It's not going to be pretty if they do something like that. A quick question before you before you respond and weigh in here, Marty. Does he still sound like a Bond villain to you? I was going to mention that, but I thought I've said it already. But yeah, I mean, th- this holds no political uh, weight or strength of argument. But doesn't he sound creepy? Um, he does. He does. He sounds you know, like the, a the, Bond villain. The, he really does. Until you said the, that, I yeah. thought, oh, yeah, okay. Well, he just sounds like some crazy whatever. Some and then you're like, he sounds like a Bond villain. Yeah. But yeah, he's... he's. Um, to your point real quick, before we get off of that, to the, to the joke. Um, it, it's just like a Bond villain in the sense, too, they tell you the plan before they do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. They've got Bond and they're telling him the plan and Bond escapes, right? Do you Same expect me here. to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. <laughs> no, yeah. Mr. Bond, I expect you to... Yeah, that's, what a great line. R.I.P. Sean Connery, man. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, but his... Uh, Sean Connery was... So you see, Mr. Goldfinger, your plans for world domination were shadowly mistaken. Whatever character uh, he played, whether he was playing a Russian submarine commander, an American uh, FBI agent, or... Um, James Bond, he was still Scottish. He was always Scottish. He never had any other accent. Quite amazing. Anyway, sorry, I digress. But but what yeah, the question? Your, the question. Well, <laughs> your, your response to, to Schwab. My now that we've talked to Schwab, now that we've is, talked about him as a Bond villain, yeah, yeah. My response to Schwab is this: We said the other day when we were talking about all of this, and Ned was on that once these people are a voice for the plan. They are immediately expendable because they're public. They're they're a public figure of it. And of course, what he's saying is, oh, if there is a if there is a cyber attack, then I am not responsible. I merely warned you of it. Oh uh, yeah, is, sure. This is what's happening. He's he's getting his excuses in first, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, he, he's putting his mitigation um, ahead of of the charges. And this this cyber attack, why? why? Why would they want it? Why would China want to attack us at the moment if they're being left alone? No one's making any big fusses about the, I think, something like 1.3 million uh, people in concentration camps inside China because they're political. 3 million? 1.3 million Uyghur Muslims. And yeah. then the rest are political dissidents. And, 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 and the rest are political Falun Gong, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, and, and their whole, that's one of the, the, the sickest things inside the eight predictions is the fact that, you know, no one will need uh, to donate organs anymore. China, we know, have got a policy of tissue typing prisoners so that if anybody in the CCP needs a kidney, needs a liver, needs a heart, needs a lung, needs a, a cornea, they're taken out and shot. And the organs are provided that way with the eight predictions saying that we will, uh, what's the word, 3D print organs, uh, which means that. Which that's a real, must, that's a real yeah. innovation. I mean, that can really help a lot of people if, yeah, it's, sure if it's done. Well, combined with some of the other stuff that Ned researched about CRISPR and the whole um, 
DNA building pack that can cure all sorts of um, diseases and stuff. Um, I imagine that this technology already exists, but it's one of those disruptive technologies that we've talked about because if it was rolled out into mainstream, it would um, dramatically reduce medical insurance costs and, and things like that. And, and people would live longer. They don't want us to live longer. They don't want us to live longer because they've already spent our pension money. All those hedge funds and everything that went to bail out the banks during the crash, they're now virtually empty, but they've got guaranteed outputs to pensioners. They don't want people. It's like the Royal Navy. People always said, you know, we used to get uh, duty-free cigarettes, cheap booze all the time. And people would do 22 years, retire at the age of 40, start drawing their pension, be dead by the time they were 45 because they'd got into that those habits, those really bad for you habits, and they didn't live very long. And that's what they that's what they really want from us is is to start popping our clogs a lot earlier so they don't have to pay our pensions. In the UK, until recently, the retirement age. Uh, for state pension, which you pay into through your tax, um, was 65 for men and 60 for women. It's now something like 67 for women and 69 for men. They're, they just keep moving the goalposts, and that's what they really want. So I think I was about to say, why would China want to attack us? They are being left alone. Why would they want to bring on one of these cyber attacks if they are being allowed to do what they want and and so on? The only reason I can think is because they've been asked to cyber attack us to cause more confusion, more chaos. If they wiped out the national grid in the States, which I don't know if they could do all in one go, but in a country of 370 or 350 million people, if all the lights went out, there would be tens of thousands of people, tens of thousands of people dying in a very short space of time all the life support machines in hospitals, accidents happening, all, all kinds of reasons. You would have tens of thousand people dying in a very, very short space of time. So for China to make an attack on like, like that, I think Bruce is absolutely right. The American response or NATO's response, actually, because it would be a, an attack on a NATO member country, would be extremely serious. I don't think it would go as far as a nuke because... There's there's no way back from that. I think it, but it but it could be things like EMP. It certainly could be conventional ballistic strikes on key targets. Bombing is highly unlikely because of the simple fact that uh, apart from stuff that's on the border of China, you're not going to penetrate Chinese airspace to any great depth to to make a serious Im- impact on some of their inf- key infrastructure sites. So, yeah, I, I've, I've got a feeling if, if we do see cyber attacks increase, it will be not because they particularly want to do it. It's because they've been asked to do it. Personally, I could see them doing it as a long game. So China's long game is effectively world dominance. That's my take on, on their intentions. This would be a ripe opportunity for them. The rest of the world is in an economic uh, you know, the, the Great Reset, everybody else is essentially destroyed, being brought down to their knees, and China is being left alone. 
perfect opportunity for them to go in and grab as much control as they can during that time. I mean, all those countries are going to be resetting their currency, resetting things. Some of the regulations that they're talking about for the Great Reset, you know, we talked about it. Um, you're going to be heavily regulated in the developed world, whereas the developing world is going to have very little to no regulations at all to get them up to the developed world status. So China, in this case, if they were being left alone, they would be the world superpower. They would be the dominant ones. And then they could have every other country, um, if they did a cyber attack, destroying their manufacturing, destroying the, all that stuff, you would have them suckling at the teat of China's manufacturing uh, system. And they would essentially be bound to China until they can be brought up, which would give them plenty of time to you know, usurp more control. I can't directly argue with anything that you, you've just said. However, China had, and I think still has, you can correct me if I'm wrong, the one-child policy, or have they stopped that now? They've, they've still got it. So they stopped it. They, they, they stopped, stopped it. They stopped it? But they, yeah. I, I, well, their, I demographics, their demographics were screwed. It was like 60 to yeah, 1. Yeah, it screwed them up. Yeah. It, it's yeah. like there's there's like two women to every male now or something like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it it's, crazy. Really, it's really bad. Yeah. Or, or excuse me, vice versa. There's two men to yeah, every woman. Yeah, I was going to say, was, I think it was more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it's, it's something crazy. They have TV shows over in China about women basically – uh, or excuse me, men fighting over the women in the in the the, the TV show because hold, hold on a minute. When did they so, when did they do that? When when did they rescind that? Uh, recently, and I don't I don't remember really? the year. A few years back, I'm wanting to say. Uh, let me because that right. was the deal. That that was the deal in the beginning by the elites that sold us out. That was the deal. Adopt the one child policy, and we'll leave you alone. October 2015. Huh. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Because they had this one child policy. That tells me that their their ethos, the way that they were looking at things, wasn't to expand outside their borders. Their borders are large enough. They've got lots of empty space there. I'm not suddenly becoming an advocate for China. I told Johnny earlier on that I've had a long Facebook discussion uh, with with a with a very old associate, you know, family friend from the old days. And he lived in China for five years, and he's got a very different outlook on a very different set of political values to mine. And I've tried to get him to come on the show. I've, I've asked him a dozen times to come on the show so that we can have a proper talk about it. So I'm not an advocate of China, but I don't think they've got actual expansionist ideas. Not like Adolf, not like Landon's realm, you know, the... Laden drum, sorry, I beg your pardon. You know, the, the principle that each Aryan man should have this amount of land in his ownership to raise his family, that's not the way the Chinese think at all. So I don't think they are looking to expand their borders. They are looking to expand their influence. And that's because in the Chinese elite of the Chinese Communist Party, you've still got egos. And as much as they all try to look the same, dress the same, act the same. You've got different personalities in there that are driving some of these activities. And I personally think that they're not looking to to expand, but they are looking to be part of that power grab and be one of those handful of countries that call the shots in the you know the world under agenda thirty 
2030 and the World Economics Forum's vision of the future. A quick note, we, we were talking about the uh, policy in 2015. Wasn't there some other kind of funding that was going on during that time in 2015 that they happened to get a, a laboratory and some money for... Um, gain of function, gain of function research, yeah. and huh? Uh huh. About the same time, right period around the same there. time. Um, so my understanding was now th- this could totally be wrong because this was uh, when I heard this. This was before I was politically active and all that kind of stuff. So I wasn't aware. Wasn't part of the reason that the China had its one-child policy was to um, have more men for an army. Um, uh, that was one of the speculations I had heard back in the day. I don't know if that's accurate or not. That's been the speculation, yes. But it was the Chinese Communist Party that obviously that developed or that, well, excuse me, that adopted that. But at the same time, it was also as part of the deal to allow the rise of China by the Western elites to do the transference that they've done over the last few decades was that they had to adopt the one child policy. And the reason I think that they had to adopt the one child policy is because now think about this. They've used the West. The elites have. They've used the West. Now they're done with us. They're going to throw us off and they're using China to do it. Now, guess what's going to happen to China in the end? They're going to scapegoat the Chinese, too. They're going to throw them away just like they threw us away. The thing about China, though, they they play their their games that they play is is in like 50 hundred year intervals it's yes. not a the americans think in like a, a an election cycle you know every every two to four years is kind of what americans think so they're, they're very short-sighted in that sense right but then when you look at the chinese and what they do it's 50 to 100 year cycles like that they well, think in much a, a larger picture yeah it's marxism it's it's marxism right. it's right it's two steps forward one step back that's that's what it comes right. down to it's it's neo maoist uh, ideology is, is what that is. You work, you play the long game, and that's what they do. The Communist Party of China and the Western elites, th- they both have their own interests. They'll work the deal, but in the end, it's going to be, it's going to come down to one or the other. In the end, it's going to come down to one or the other. The Chinese Communist Party, the way that they, well, the Communist Party in general, the way that they operate, the way that they think, they think that they're going to reign supreme in all of it. They'll throw off these Western elites. They will go to war with the Western elites. That's what all this is about now, is they're using these dirty deals and this blackmail <laughs> against each other. And we're the ones that are caught in the crosshairs. So the, the Chai Coms have the dirt on the Western elites. They have the information that we can prosecute these people with. They have it. But at the same time, the Western elites have all the dealings in China that they can prosecute the CCP for, for crimes against humanity. So it's a nasty mix and a clashing of uh, of these two global uh, superpowers. And again, we're the ones that are in the middle paying the consequences, as the people always do. That was one of the things I was going to kind of bring up is, I, uh, Marty, uh, what you were saying there, it, trying to grab for more influence. I could see that happening more so. The idea of uh, a ground game as far as wars, you know, being on the ground, that's kind of that's kind of old thing. They, they that's not going to be the future of of battles. It's going to be cyber warfare. It's going to be um unmanned uh vehicles uh doing various attacks and stuff like drones and those sort of things. So I I I think you're more accurate on that sense uh as far as what they're going to do. But that was part of what I was going to say, Johnny, is I think it's um, they're, they're contending for power. And, and as, as you were saying, they have so much dirt on each other. This actually right now could be the whole transition and everything uh, with, with, let's say, Biden does, in fact, win in all this. 
China is only going to get stronger because they have so much dirt on the Biden family. And the Biden family is basically saying, oh, no, there's no, there's nothing wrong with China. They're, they're, they're not anything to worry about. And all of the officials uh, during that time period, uh, during Obama, they were all saying China is something to worry about. We need to pay attention to China and Russia and some of these other, you know, Iran and well, not really Iran as much. They were more willing to give billions of dollars to Iran and create a nuclear deal with them. But anyway, so China's just going to get stronger with this. And the Great Reset, I, I, th I think it's going to be a great boon for China as well. They're going to get more influence and power. Well, with um, Biden's appreciation of China and, um, and what he thinks of it, of course, they are nothing to worry about because he'll just comply and bend over and placate the CCP just to keep his power and influence if he gets there. Uh, you know, it's, it's like a, a sleeping tiger. Um, if it wakes up, throw it something to eat and it will leave you alone. It's not going to actively go out and hunt if it keeps getting thrown a bone every now and again. And I think that's what's happening. I mean, you've, you've got Australia uh, and um, I've got very, very strong suspicions of the of the current government of Australia and the deals that they've done with China, the selling of resources. Of course, every country, um, you know, mineral wealth, that sort of stuff that they, they've sold to China. Um, the Aussies, though, there's a thing going on. It's it, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. There was something that Bruce and I caught last night, late last night. There are 50 cargo ships off of the Chinese coast right now from Australia, and they're loaded with about... Six million tons of coal, and they've been sitting yeah. there for over a month. They won't let them offload. And I think it's got, and maybe you could weigh in on this. I think it's got something to do with the fact that the Aussies and the Japanese just signed some kind of a, a military deal, like a military pact or something like that. It, it could well be. I, I, I don't actually know, so I, so I won't pass comment on that. But what I do know is to confirm something you said the other day about China being short of water. Of, of natural fresh water. Deals have been done to purchase water in rivers in Australia. And I don't quite understand what's going on there, but it was being discussed in one of the state parliaments, or it may have even been the federal parliament in the capital, uh, where someone from the opposition was saying, you know, what safety measures and checks have you put in place to protect us from any wrongdoing in these kinds of deals where you are basically selling our water to China. They're not going to transport it. I, I don't quite get it. I don't quite understand. You know, it, it seems crazy that it would just be way too expensive to transport water from China, sorry, from Australia to China, but the Chinese are buying Australian water. And well, I, I, I really don't understand it. They did the same thing with uh, with American uh, farmland, and now they're buying up uh, Texas oil fields. The Chinese, and you know, I, I'm I'm sorry. When it comes to that, I, I'm sorry. The, these, and I know it's asking a lot these days, but uh, the governments at that point, you've got to step in. You've got to step in. You can't allow resources like that to be sold out to another country. I don't care where it comes from. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's uh, if it's the Canadians that want to buy uh, American farmland. No, no. Now, if you want to do a trade deal with something that you've got and something that the U.S. has got when it comes to a, a viable crop and we have a surplus, then we can sit down and we can work a trade deal, a fair trade deal. But as far as selling out the um, <laughs> selling out the resources of your country, that's essentially that's selling out. Your, you're no longer sovereign at that point. And I think this is what 
what it has to do with. The figure quoted in the in the Parliament was something like seven thousand milliliters. Well, that's only seven liters of water that this what? deal is being signed. Exactly. This is why I find it strange, suspicious, and and I just don't understand it. It's almost like oh, well, we've bought seven hundred or seven thousand milliliters of of water inside this particular river. Our troops have just landed on your shores. We're going to go and claim our claim, claim our, our resources. I see what it is. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right, I got it. And the other thing, Africa. Well, I talked to you earlier on about Africa and the the Katie Hopkins interview that she did on Australian uh, on an Australian network. And you know, I'm not. Uh, a huge fan of Katie Hopkins, although we do agree on a lot of things. But she was talking about the South African farmers who are being displaced um, by violence. And it's exactly the same as happened in Zimbabwe, where the, the white farmers were forced off their land, murdered, and the country went into starvation. We're hearing from the World Economic Forum that one billion people will be displaced due to climate change. And the only reason they've got to move uh, is not because it's getting a little bit warmer, but because they've got no food. They're starving. They can't feed themselves. Well, in Zimbabwe, possibly Botswana and South Africa, you've got the situation where their agriculture system is being ruined by these attacks on white farmers, by them being displaced and taken over by black South Africans who have no idea how to cultivate the land, how to effectively farm these large areas of South Africa. That's what's going to cause the food shortage. That's what's going to cause people to flood north. Not, in my humble opinion, climate change, but right in the middle of it all, uh, and slightly up into the, the west, you've got massive Chinese investment inside Sudan and countries around there where they're, they are coming over, building infrastructure, dams, schools, buildings, roads, all these sorts of things. And basically, uh, the ideology of those countries is being converted to a Chinese form of communism. And there's other mineral deals that are happening at the same time. So China's already got its hooks in to, they're not moving masses of people, but they are owning more and more of the surface of the planet, if that makes sense. It does make sense. I mean, what do you think Afghanistan was all about? You think I was about getting bin Laden? I, uh... Well, it would have been if I was running it, but we've discussed this. So it, was all about, <laughs> it was all about the lithium, wasn't it? It's about lithium, yeah. 4,000 kilotons a month is what the, yeah. uh, the Chinese are doing in there. And no one can have a laptop without a lithium battery. Mm-hmm. And everyone needs a laptop. Obviously. Yeah, we need it. Yeah, we need it. Especially now your kids are stuck at home because schools are closed. So they're being home home tutored and have to do it from a tablet or a laptop or whatever. But anyway, you're about to say we're getting close to time, aren't you, my friend? We are out of time. Yeah. I mean, we can continue if you want, but uh, that's no, entirely I'm, it. I'm, I'm all talked out. Okay. I do want to put a plea out to my friend. We spoke recently on via a messaging system. He is an absolutely lovely British Pakistani guy, and I would like him to come on this show to talk about COVID, his experience of it. And that plea still stands. We need to diversify more. The other person who uh, who I've been talking a lot with this week and last week 
is uh, a very old family friend. He's even older than I am. And he spent five years in China. And I would love him to come on and talk with us uh, in, a, in a nice, calm debate to get his point of view as well. So I won't mention their names, but you know who you are. And I hope you listen and hear this and get back in touch with me. Thank you. I have to agree with you there. We are looking to have more people on. And to to those of you that believe that this is a hostile place, it is not, I assure you. We started this, we could open up a dialogue and have conversations with people, logical, reasonable conversations with people. And the fact that we disagree on things, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Do you know how bad this world would be if everyone agreed on everything? That's what these yahoos and Davos want to do, right? We want to have the healthy dialogue between people. So yes, to, uh, to echo your call there, Marty, you're welcome here. And we will treat you with respect and dignity. It's a promise. All right, we are going to have to go. So we are out of time. But as always, Marty, it's a pleasure. I didn't get to a damn thing that we had lined up. So well, you again, I'm sorry, mate. No, well, it's okay. I mean, I had a lot of good stuff here. I want to talk about um, uh, the uh, the Metro Police in, in London. I wanted to talk about how the EU says now that they've publicly failed on creating an EU army, which you've talked about here for two years. Nicola Sturgeon has decided that uh, she's going to shut Scotland's borders to the UK. That's huge. That's huge. We didn't even get to talk about that. Freedom oh, passes. There's even there's there's an even better one there, and it's it's a real argument in Scotland that we should have, and perhaps we can talk about it next time I'm on. But that is, all sanitary products for ladies are free in Scotland now. How about that? That's and, what they tried to do in the U.S., isn't it, Bruce? Same thing. The thing is, the thing is, they're, they're free here as well in 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 England. But for people who are using food banks or on certain types of benefits and a, a certain standard of, of of income, they've always been free. It's just that most people don't take advantage of it because they've still got some semblance of pride. And Nicola Sturgeon, just one final point. I know we're over time, but Nicola Sturgeon buys votes for the Scottish Nationalist Party. When they had their referendum on independence, they voted to remain in the union, in, in the United Kingdom. But they still voted in Nicola Sturgeon and the, or sorry, at the time, Alex Salmon. Why are they all named after fish? Um, but they still voted the SNP in because the SNP spends my tax money like crazy in Scotland. And good luck to them. Good luck to them. You know, the, the, there's only 7.4 million uh, people in Scotland, to my knowledge. I could And David Coulthard. And him. And, you know, they they deserve a little bit extra. But Sturgeon needs to really wake up and smell the coffee. She just gets voted in time after time, or rather her party does, because the Scots aren't stupid. They know that the Scottish Parliament, if it's an SNP majority will spend money hand over fist and keep spending money to buy their vote. So anyway, yeah, perhaps we can talk about some of that next time. Next time. We'll have to set it up. I'll talk to you later on this weekend. But uh, anyway, all right. Like I said, we're over on time, but that's okay. It's all right. We're allowed to run over for a few minutes. Anyway, um, we are going to have to go. So thank you guys for sitting down this afternoon. For those of you who have not, you would like to, please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parlor. I know it is getting very... Um, very explosive over there with all of the uh, the things going on with the election and new people flooding in there. I've had a lot of new follows this week. Thank you all very much. Had a lot of echoes this week. Some comments have come back in. Thank you all very much for that. Really do appreciate that. And I try to answer all of your comments. So you can follow me over there at Anderson 3 or you can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Do you have any comments? That apparently, we did have some feedback from a chap who, who was tickled by us. 
Um, oh yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. I was going to send. I was going to exactly send. what part was tickled, but he, <laughs> he, did, he did express, you know, some gratitude for the tickling. Indeed, and. Yeah, you're you're welcome, and I and I do, I do plan on uh, responding to that uh, email. I will get to that in the next day or so. I do promise that I, I promise to respond to that. So yeah, you can follow me over there at J Anderson Three. You can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us and you don't want to do it on social media, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would humbly ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We're trying to grow our audience here as much as possible, but we need your help as a loyal listener in order to do that. So if you could pass us along to friends, family, and known associates, we would appreciate that. We're available everywhere you get your podcasts, with the exception of SoundCloud. Yes, I'll continue to say it. Also, if you're rating podcasts. If you could jump over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Bruce and Marty, thank you guys for your time tonight. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Bruce. And and by the way, because I forgot up until this point, happy Thanksgiving to everyone in America. Indeed. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.